I've learned a lot preparing for this. Hopefully, you will too. You open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Before we start, though, uh, let me pray. Lord, we love you. Uh, we just praise you through your songs, Lord. Uh, it's so good to reflect on how good you are and how good you are to us. Lord, you saved us uh, when we were undesirable, and even now we uh, don't do as we should. We pray that your spirit work within us, Lord, and that we would uh, love you and trust you as we ought to. In Jesus' name, amen. In this letter to church at Ephesus, in the first two chapters we see God's predetermined plan to save a people and that Christ would rule over them, being the head and the church being the body. We also see our inability to come to Christ and our salvation is a gracious gift from God. I find this a very good way to start this letter, seeing how it has some very hard commands in the back end of it. Paul further writes that he desires that we would know the love of Christ and exhorts us to be unified and to live in the light of the fact that we are in Christ. And then come, then he comes to the proper roles and relationships. He talks about the marriage, the family, and the servant-master or employee-employer relationships. If you turn to Ephesians 5, read along with me. I'm going to start in verses, or verse 21 and read through verse 27. It says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Marriage consists of two roles. First, it's a man and a woman, as we see in the passage. I won't speak long about the role of the woman because I really uh, want to talk to the guys tonight as the leaders of the house. But I will say this in the passage, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, the word is uh, probably best substituted, obey your husbands. The position of submission is uh, not an inferior one. In the eyes of God, uh, you have as much value as a man. We were both created in the image of God, and Christ died. He lived and died for females as well as males. You're not inferior. You just have a different role in the marriage relationship. This is not your husband's fault. This is by God's design. I can think of it best like this. There's a reason there's only one steering wheel in a car. Try not to uh, play the role of your husband or impose on his 
leadership in the household. The obedience to this command is not contingent upon anything. Your submission to your husband is not contingent upon uh, anything. That pretty much sums it up. We can see these kind of examples. Maybe our husband doesn't treat us the way we want. Uh, when we look in other passages like Romans 13, we are to be submissive to our government. We are to uh, follow them, if you would, or submit to them. Uh, one thing I talked to a lot of people about is taxes. Well, they're going to use my taxes to do bad things. Unless you are being called to do something in direct violation of Scripture, you are to comply with the authorities that God has set over you. You pay your taxes, what they do with it is uh, between them and God. The same is true in the household. You are to be submissive to your husband unless he is calling you into direct opposition or violation of God's word. Passage says in uh, verse 24, So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. You might not find all things that your husband asks or requires of you to be reasonable. That's all right. Pray for him. Pray that God would give him guidance and pray that he would love you as Christ loved the church. God always, Christ always directs us in things that are benefit for us, beneficial. Let's move to verse 25 through 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. When it says husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church, it doesn't say husbands love your wives as much as Christ loved the church. It says as. This is not a command to uh, comply with the capacity, but rather in the way or the likeness in which Christ loved the church. This is what you're instructed to do. The capacity will manifest itself in the uh, ways in which you are to love your wife. I think it's interesting it says that he loved the church and gave himself up for it. And for what reason? So that he might sanctify it. Your objective in following his commands overall to bring God glory, but your objective in loving your wife should be for her sanctification so that she will become more Christ-like as you set an example and lead her in that direction. Hmm. So how has Christ led the church? I have 32 points. We probably won't hit them all. He loves us, that is a church, that is believers, in a unique way. The relationship Christ has with his people is a one-of-a-kind relationship. He loves her in a way that he does not love anything else under the sun. He treats her differently, and he thinks about her differently. We'll develop that more as we go along, but the point is here, the relationship you have with your wife is a unique one. She's not one of the guys, one of the crew, a peer, or anything of the sort. She's a gift from God that uh, you two have become one flesh. And this relationship should be unique. If you turn with me to John chapter 17, 
talk about one of these ways. Often referred to as the high priestly prayer. We see that Jesus was praying for the disciples. And in verse 20 we see not just for those, but all that would believe on him to come. In verse 17, what does he pray for them for? He petitions God. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As men, as husbands, as leaders of our household, we need to be praying on behalf of our wife's sanctification. Her becoming more Christ-like is the most important thing. We pray for her sanctification, not so that my life would be better, but that she would be more pleasing to God in her thoughts, her words, and her actions. Specifically, praying for her sanctification, we should pray for the, her hunger for the Word. The Word of God is the means by which He sanctifies or changes people. If your wife is not in the Word, the necessary ingredient is not being utilized. Pray for her hunger for the Word. Encourage her. Second, I have pray for her purity and thought, word, and deed. We're all walking epistles. The world that does not read their Bible looks at us and goes, oh, that's what a Christian is. Oh, that's what's all right with Christ. They look at your wife the same way, so we want her to reflect the beauty of Christ, the holiness of Christ. Pray for her purity. And pray that when she violates God's law, that is when she sins, that she would repent. And not only that, if she were to sin publicly, that she would repent in the same way, that she would go to those people in which she sinned in front of and let them know that her God is not all right with the way she acted, that her desire is to be pleasing to him. Third, pray for her compassion for souls and needy people. The Lord came to seek and save that which was lost. Praise God, he, he does. Pray for our wives to be evangelistic. Pray for their testimony and witness. And last of all, pray for their strength to deal with their husbands. I know I'm not easy to deal with at times. When I treat my wife in an ill manner, I essentially entice her to sin. I entice her to strike back at me. Pray that the Lord would give her strength and wisdom to be gracious with me. Third way I have is he teaches us. Christ has taught us from his very own words in the gospel how to be saved, how to conduct ourselves, what our objectives should be. We are to teach our wives. This is not a call to sit down and have a systematic theology class at your house, but rather the truths of Scripture, as we learn them, we should be sharing with our wives. The Bible is not for us to beat them with and point out their sin, although we should uh, point out their sin as well, but you get what I'm saying about beating them with the Bible.
We rely on the Holy Spirit to change people. We should not impose on His work. He set an example for us. Do we set an example for our wives? And if we do, is it a Christ-like example? 1 Peter 2. I'm just going to call out these references. If you want to follow me around, it's cool. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. How you respond to uh, negative criticisms, how you respond to ill treatment, how you respond to people sinning against you is laying the groundwork. Um, more is caught than is taught. I know we've all heard that before. People are more likely to mimic us than they are to listen to us. We must respond appropriately. We must suffer uh, without sinning. Another example he left for us can be found in John 13, 15. Jesus had uh, washed the feet of the disciples. A very demenial task. He says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. The Lord of the universe, the one who could call upon legions of angels, the one who could read hearts, raise the dead, and many other miraculous things, the one who had all authority did this demenial task of washing his servant's feet. This point, we should have an attitude of servitude. We can see this uh, further and in greater detail in Philippians 2. promise I didn't use that text as a springboard. I'm just trying to develop it for you. How Christ has loved the church and how we need to love our wives. He humbled himself by washing the uh, disciples' feet. Verse 7 says, But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. True humility is made visible. It's not thoughts that people have about you or even things that you say. A humble person um, is known by those who observe him. This should be the case with your wife, your relationship. Verse 8, he obeyed God for our benefit. It says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was obedient to God for the benefit of the church, and so should we be obedient to God for the benefit of our wives. What is meant by that? A lot of commands that we are given to express to our wife go against our 
our, our natural desires, like sacrificial love. Um, we live in a world where it's me, 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 get, 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 what I can, 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 and if she's not happy or making me happy, move along and find someone that is. The Bible calls us to love our wives unconditionally. And when they see that unconditional love, especially if they are um, being living in opposition or uh, just not fulfilling their role, and they wonder, why does he keep loving me the way he does? It will be for their benefit. You may be the means by which they are brought to repentance. We should be communing with God. What do I mean by that? I mean being in prayer and being in the Word. If our life just reflects good works and there is no uh, talk of, no communing with the Lord, no prayer, no being in His Word, what we are doing is developing a works religion. And they will see that. Your children also will benefit from the way you treat your wife if you love her as Christ loved the church. Lord willing, they'll know what to look for in a husband, know what kind of wife they need to be. Jesus loved us before we were born. What can we do with that? can't love your wife before she's born. Matter of fact, you can't love your wife as Christ loved the church until she's actually your wife. But there's a principle uh, to be gained from this or to be understood. We see this in Ephesians 1.4, that before the foundation of the world, he loved us. How does this apply to the relationship with my wife? Christ's love for me was not contingent upon anything I had done. He didn't love me because of something I had did. We need not to love our wives because of something she does. We need to love her because Christ loved us and he commands us to love her. Matter of fact, the scripture is good to say that he loved us while we were his enemies. In Romans 5, 8, we read, But God commendeth or shows his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10, for if we, or for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. As long as she is your wife, you are to love her as Christ loved the church. Even if you're at odds with your wife, we were the enemies of God and Christ loved us. Matter of fact, the greatest expression of love that any man could do or show in John 15, 13, no greater love hath a man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. So while we were yet enemies with God, Jesus showed us the greatest expression of love by dying on behalf of the church. It's easy to love when your spouse is compliant or pleasing to you, but the command encompasses all times. We are to love our wives. He sought to make peace with us, as we see in verse 10. 
when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Luke 19.10, he came to seek and save that which was lost. He was uh, proactive, if you would, in reconciling us to God. So it should be with our wives. Oftentimes, I'm prone to think that, well, the problem here isn't really me. It's my wife's thinking or the way she's treating me. Then stop Christ from seeking out reconciliation. There's a promise in the uh, Beatitudes I like. Blessed are the peacemakers. That is the natural expression of somebody who has peace with God is the fact that they seek peace with others. Let that start in our household. And the peace that Christ brings to the church isn't just one of indifference. It isn't just one of like, all right, you stay over there, I'll stay over here, and we call that peace. That's worldly peace. The peace that Christ brought was an end to wrath and into fellowship. We should seek peace with our wives to reconcile and restore that which once was. And do these two together. He lived for us and he died for us. Second Corinthians five twenty one. My favorite verse in the whole Bible. If you turn there with me, maybe you could circle, underline this one. It's a gospel in one verse. It says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hmm. He lived for us. Christ wrapped his divinity in flesh. He came to earth uh, made under the law. He was not under the law before. He was not subject to it. But when he took on flesh, he did this so that by his obedience to the law, when he was crucified on the cross, we could have accredited to our account his righteous living. That's amazing to me. He never sinned, as Peter said, a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, your righteous acts will not be accredited to your wife's account. The point here is he lived and he died for us. His entire earthly ministry was for the benefit of the church. Your entire life should be for the benefit of your wife. She is a gift from God, and if she is in Christ, she's actually the daughter of the king. We do good to remember that. Maybe write it on your rear view mirror or something, wherever you spend a lot of time. Our lives should be lived for the benefit and sanctification of our wives. He forgives us. 1 John 1, 9. Hmm. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, we don't have the ability to forgive sins in the way that Jesus does. We have a principle here in which we should follow. A man that is aware of the fact that he has been forgiven of sin and its debt 
that is of eternal punishment, suffering of God's wrath, should be willing and quick to forgive his wife, even if it's 490 times a day. How could a forgiven man hold a grudge? God forbid. We see a promise of Christ. When he comes back, the scriptures promise that we will be joint heirs with him. This is a way he has promised uh, love to the church, but not, has not yet expressed it in its fullest sense. Romans 8:17. The point we can, the principle we can walk away with this is in a marriage relationship, there isn't my stuff, your stuff. At least not in the marriage I see put forth in the scriptures. I should not withhold any good thing from my wife. I should actually prefer her above myself. I think I'm done, but I'm not sure how to be done. What I want you to walk away with tonight, and I encourage you to search the scriptures, is to, there's many more ways that Christ has loved the church. Many, 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 many. Um, Seek them out. Love your wife in this way. and doing so, you'll glorify God. And when the wife is submissive to the husband and the husband loves the wife as Christ loves the church, your marriage will be a testimony to the world. Uh, It will be better in every regard. It will be glorifying to God. Uh, If we just pray again, we'll be done. Lord, uh, a lot of conviction came upon me as I was studying for this. Don't let me use the excuse that uh, I can't love the way you love the church. The command doesn't allow for it. I'm to strive to uh, love my wife as you've loved us. Please make that a priority in my life. Uh, Please help me to bring you glory in doing so. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.